Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Restoring Grace Radio on blogtalkradio.com. My name is David Fournier, Senior Instructor here at Restoring Grace. Thank you for joining us either live or on archives. Restoring Grace Radio is here to provide online lessons about the Christian faith, our history, our documents, and how to express our faith to a very needy world. Thank you for listening, and now, on to our broadcast. Senior instructors here with Children's Grace, and whether you're joining us here live on archive, thank you so much. And for all of you on the Facebook Live uh, video stream, we are sure hoping that this is working. It looks like it is, so we'll see what goes on here as we move forward. Okay, so we want to talk about making a difference. We can make a difference, and we want to talk today about some simple tools that can help you during a very challenging time. Most of you know that we are going through a unique and difficult time at best uh, with a strange virus that has attacked um, every kind of person, every kind of place, every kind of city, town. It doesn't matter what's happening. It really comes down to the idea that it's, it's a virus. It's out there, and there's all kinds of talk about it. And it's got people stressed out and people are out of work and people are out of money and challenging. Okay. During times like this, it is easy for us to forget that we are here to assist God on his mission, working with Jesus on his mission. And that mission is repairing the world. Stakum Olam. For many seekers of Messiah and Messiah's return, we could be part of speeding up the process. We can be part of that process. Lots of people talk about when Jesus returns, when Jesus returns, when is Jesus going to be coming back? The Jews have a great statement about Messiah. He will return when he is most needed and when he is least expected. And boy, you would think in our history as humans, he would have been here 20 or 30 times. However, what we know about Messiah, what we know about God is that when you come to a point where you're serving God and following his commandments, it's not just about you. It's not just about what I get out of the deal. God is not your personal God. Jesus is not your personal Savior, like ordering a personal pan pizza from Pizza Hut. That was not a commercial. In more ways than one, we are here not only to fulfill a tremendous transformation of our own souls, of our own attitudes, of our own frame of minds, but we're also here to help God assist, assist God in repairing the world, to kum olam, bringing things back to their original state. I am against, I am against any and all preaching, doctrines, and end-time hoopla theologies that include the idea that the world is not worth saving. We've gotten to a point where we, we teach and we preach on the subject of the idea that the world is coming to an end. Who cares what kind of shape it's in when it blows up? We're not going to be here. We're out of here, man. Jesus is going to come back, and he's going to burn the faces off of everybody that doesn't like him, and we're out of here. So what difference does it make? It ends with total destruction. Why worry? Well, why worry is, first of all, is it has bred many fatal and false religious teachings, both for and against things like 
climate change, things like poverty, things like starvation. In, in, it gets to the point where as long as the right people are dying, who cares? Well, you should care, and I should care, because we have a role to play, each one of us. And we'll answer God for how we participated in his mission. We will not be answering to God for what the other guy down the street did or how the other guy lived or this guy's sexual preference. or that. It's not how that's going to work. It's going to work with us answering, what did you do to make this world a better place? How did you help God on his mission? So here are some talking points. Everything, everything that we do and say stems from the way we think. And that makes our consciousness the most important part of our spiritual work. Everything we do and say stems from the way we think. And that makes our consciousness the most important part of our spiritual work. What's rattling around between your ears is a huge contributor to how you will act and how you will see the world. Why is this important? It's important because if we get to the place where our consciousness says there's a certain group of people worth working with, there's a certain group of people worth saving, there's a certain group of this and that, we see so much of that going on now, religious racism, so to speak then we won't be concerned about the outcomes of their lives or, or how things turn out for them or the way that they're living and carrying on. Because, hey, the world's going to end. We're out of here. What difference does it make? Your mindset, your consciousness, I want you to think about it like a filter, like a worldview that we need to work on, and we've got to fill it with certainty, that we understand that we are here again, number one, to perform a radical transformation of our own souls and the way that we live and the way that we carry on. And number two is to assist God in his mission, in his mission of repairing the world. Our words are powerful. And I want you to think of them as agents of creation. I want you to think about when you say something, you create it. Boy, I'll tell you, it is never more evident than watching some of the stuff that goes on on Facebook, on Instagram, some of the conversations that go on. We've got so many self-appointed, self-anointed teachers and pastors and preachers, and now we've got a bunch of licensed uh, medical doctors. I didn't know we had that many running around. And a few months ago, we had all these incredible political, (coughs) excuse me, uh, political geniuses that were running around. Your words, they create things. I want you to think about every time that you think a dark thought or a hurtful thought against somebody or against a person or against the way they act, what if it birds a negative angel, a demon? And what if every time that you said something positive or encouraging to somebody, it birds a positive angel? What kind of a landscape would your angelic landscape would it be? Would it be all darkness because of a spirit of judgment, because we don't understand the power of our words? Jesus said in the New Testament documents, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You don't have to be around somebody very long to figure out what they're about and what's valuable to them. So first of all, remember that how you think, how you think, the consciousness that you have, the worldview you have towards your life and your connectedness to the life of others. You know, as I've gotten older, I always thought that I would get older and have less and less concern about the world and less and less worries, and I would feel kind of like this ancient, I feel that part sage type guy who really doesn't need anybody. I just kind of levitate in a room and meditate on great thoughts. As it turned out, I need people more than I thought I did. I need them a lot more than I thought I did. 
and I'm connected to them in ways I didn't understand before. Secondly, instead of seeing something as a burden, again, this is how you can begin to change that mindset. Instead of seeing something as a burden, as a, a slight shift in the way you see it, a slight shift in your consciousness will enable you to see it as an opportunity to be a creator of more positive energy. Man, have you ever met somebody who it just, it, not only does it always rain on their birthday, it's just raining all the time with this person, and they just don't have any positive energy. They just don't have that sense of encouragement. I'm bummed all the time. Even through our greatest challenges, there is so much for us to learn. Each person, each moment, each situation is there to offer us an opportunity to correct ourselves and to assist others on the path. I guess, I guess something that fell down is really bothering me. Isn't that weird? Yeah, I have to do stuff like that? I do. I have to do things like that. Anyway, I want you to think about every person, every encounter, every moment of your life is more like a mirror reflecting back. Have you ever wondered when somebody says something and you're just like, oh, and it irritates you? You ever wonder why? Because the creator loves us so much. His universe loves us so much that he's shining back on us, the parts of us that don't look like him in the lives of other people. Everyone is a messenger. Everyone is a messenger. And this is important for us to remember. There's something for us to learn. Instead of just shrinking down, this is such a burden and this is so horrible. Who knew? Who knew that a year ago we'd be saying, man, I wish I had more time to spend with my family. I wish I had more time to spend with my family. Well, now you got like four months and everybody's running around like a prison sentence with it. Come on. Instead of it being a burden, just a slight shift in consciousness gives us the opportunity to be creators of a more positive energy. And if we need Positive energy creators, we need them now. Some of the comments and the memes on Facebook have been absolutely hysterical. They're encouraging. They're funny. Get into it. Next, though there's not all, now it's not always obvious, you and me, even me, have positive attributes that we can work, work to share with others through our actions. You, it's not always obvious. But you and I have positive attributes. I hear people say, I really don't have anything to contribute. Liar. Yes, you do. I didn't mean to call you a liar. Yes, you do. You've got skills and talents and abilities. Even when you're at a low moment, even when you're really struggling, even when things don't make sense, you have things to offer. You have things that will help. Jesus said in Matthew 13, 52, he talks about bringing out our treasure Think about that for a minute. He talks about bringing out our treasure from the old and the new. Love it. I want you to think about what I just said. Where you are now matters. So what you're going through now matters. And what you've been through matters. And Jesus says it's a treasure, a treasure that you bring out and that you share with others. You have a wealth of experience a wealth of lessons that you could share with other people. You can make a difference in somebody else's life simply by the hardships you've been through and how you handled it and how you made it through and the good times you've been through. Today at my work, uh, we got to telling stories, and somebody said, I I don't even remember what it was now. Uh, We were talking about uh, something that had happened, and he told the story, and it was hilarious. It was so funny, 
I felt like I was there. And then it made me remember, remember how you, you, people say things and it pops little memory caps. I say, like, oh, my gosh, let me tell you about this time. And I told my story, and we were laughing. And another guy told his story, and we were laughing. And for that 15 minutes, the energy in that room, pulling up our treasures from the old, and sharing them openly. And the story I told wasn't one about me whipping somebody or me doing a great thing. It was about me looking like a fool because I didn't know any better. That energy in that room for just a few minutes, no virus, no pandemic. I know that stuff is always there. Jesus said, he told us, don't worry about evil. Sufficient there is of evil for each day. We'll never run out of bad news. Never going to run out of bad news. But we have a shortage of good news. Do not discount your life. You are part of a meaningful dialogue, a meaningful dialogue in God's mission to repair the world. Through our actions. Now, we just talked about your mindset. We just talked about your experiences. Now, through our actions, each one of us, each one of us is a collective effort of humanity to shift the world, to make a shift in it, to make a positive part of this world. Each one of us. Collectively, there's a song. If you have a chance to look it up, my mother loved Barry Manilow and Barbara Streisand and Cher, but we're not here to talk about that. She loved Barry Manilow, and so I don't. I never went to a Barry Manilow concert with my mother. She went, um, but there's one particular song of his. If you have a chance to look it up, the name of the song is called "One Voice," and basically. If I remember the song, song right, he starts singing. It's only got like five or six lines to the song. He starts singing the song by himself, and then he has a backdrop of his voice in the background and a third and a fifth, and then there's this giant choir. They're all singing the same words. They're all singing in the same time. They're all singing in tune. That ruled me out. That's why they didn't ask me to participate. And suddenly what was one person singing alone is, I don't know how many people, it's got to be 100, people singing and the music getting louder, and the song is getting louder, and the, and the sound of it and the emotion of it is growing. They're all singing the same thing. But collectively, we have an amazing power, an amazing power. Now, you say, well, what difference does my life make? What difference does my contributions make? Have you ever played the game called Jenga? I don't even know what that means. Anyway, in Jenga... You got this stack of these wood things, and you pull them out one at a time, and, and you collect them. But someone is going to pull out one of them, and the rest of what's there falls down. You think that one move mattered? You think that one wood piece mattered? Yeah, it did. You just had to get to the right one. And when you got to the right one, the whole thing falls down. Now, I know that's not what you want to do. You don't want to be the person that pulled it. I get it. But the point is, your life matters. Your words matter. Your experiences matter. Your mindset matters. And now it's time to take that matter and go make it matter somewhere else aside from what's ringing around in your head. You and I, both through our actions, not being a Facebook armchair social jester, can be the one who brings about the return of Messiah. I want you to think about that. Is it possible? Is it possible that in just one moment, In just one moment, we could be the person. You could be the person. I could be the person. Collectively, we could be the people. The Messiah says, look what they've accomplished. I'm ready. Let's go. Now, we can strive 
to replace thoughts of doubts with positive actions, truly thereby creating the change that we crave. Do you know that very few people I've met, probably one or two, not counting me, just want to suck? They're just mean and they want to suck. That's what they want to do. A lot of people that I meet, they want to change. They crave change. They, they want to do better, but they really simply don't know how. Like, how do I get to that place? How do I, how do I make this work? It's going to be work. You're going to strive at it. But it's in those positive actions. By going out and changing the landscape, changing the environment. You know, when Jesus said in the New Testament documents, he said, if you have enough faith, to move this mountain, you'll say to this mountain, be gone, or whatever words he used, and it'll be cast into the sea. And I've always wondered about that. I thought, wow, that's just really bad advice, because what we don't need is a bunch of spiritually self-appointed people throwing, ocean, throwing mountains into the ocean. That's catastrophe. Wonder if he had a bigger picture in mind. I think so. Here in Colorado Springs, we are blessed with this giant mountain range, which is really cool, because if you're directionally challenged, you look at the mountain range, you always know which direction you're going. Can you imagine what would happen if tomorrow Pike's Peak was gone, picked up, and thrown into the ocean? I would get up this morning, look out my back porch, and see some dude in Divide mowing his lawn. Something I'd never seen before. What changed was the landscape. What Jesus was saying was, I don't, it wasn't about changing, throwing mountains into the ocean. He was talking about removing the blockages so we could see the landscape, so we, we could see each other, we could see what's on the other side. Certainty is faith in action. Lots of people have faith. Lots of people believe in a lot of things, but it doesn't seem to translate into any credible action, any significant change. Certainty. Is faith in action, knowing that we push out the negativity, the results will bring about the changes that are needed. Actions, actions, actions are needed. We don't need social media posting. Ultimate irony here, I'm, pull, I'm doing a Facebook feed telling you that. But we need face-to-face, on-the-ground actions. Certainty, I know this is going to work. I know this is God's plan. I know I'm supposed to be moving forward. Faith in God that he'll carry it out and faith that we can work together. Next, keeping a connection to the positive actions we've done in the past supports us when we're overcoming self-doubt. Let me say that one again. Keeping a connection to the positive actions of the past that we've done in our past supports us in overcoming self-doubt. You know, we as a, a society, I don't know if it's an American thing. Isn't that terrible to think like that? I don't know if it's an American thing or if it's a Christian culture thing, but we, we suck at mourning and grief and going through hard times. We say ridiculous statements like, you need to get over it. You need to get over that. That's what you need to do is you need to get over it. Great advice. Great advice. And not only are we poor at mourning, and grief, and allowing people to go through what they need to go through, we're even worse at celebrating. We are worse at taking victory laps. I have sat and listened to the stories of people, and I am amazed at what they've been through, amazed at what they've accomplished. But there's so much self-doubt. Sometimes we got to reach back there and say, I did it here, I did it here, I did it here, all with God's help, and guess what? I'm going to do it again. And I'm going to make this happen. 
because confidence of seeing that we are capable of doing it in the past will give us the energy that we need to carry on into the future. We are poor at taking victory laps and remembering the many accomplishments of our life. Every single event that has happened to us has molded us into who we are today, positive and negative. My dad, can you believe this? My like 80-something-year-old father's on Facebook. Who knew? And I mentioned on Facebook today, my father, Ron Fournier, my father shaped many of the things that I am today. Now, whether they were shaped physically <laughs> or mentally, it's part of the shape. It's understanding that that was significant. The good news and the bad news, the tough times and the great times, all shaped us into who we are. Satan or Asatan would try and make us ashamed of our lives, trying to render us useless for the master. By the way, what does the master want? Real simple, for us to perform a radical transformation of our own soul, to become a creature who no longer wants to receive for self alone, but wants to receive for the sake of sharing with others and assist him in the, trans- in the repairing of this world, his ultimate mission. But you look at your life and you say, I cannot help you. I cannot make a difference. I am a wreck. I am this. I, I, it's just, I can't get this figured out. I can't get this done. I don't know what to do. Don't let the negativity of Satan, of Asatan, talk you out of the greatness that God has called you. We must stay connected to what we are doing, to what we have done, to our spiritual leaders and teachers, and to each other. And last, our positive actions create a ripple effect that helps others choose positivity and positive actions. I want you to think about that for a minute. Our positive actions create a ripple effect that helps others also choose to be positive. You know, people often talk about the different types of faith groups you can get into and the different things that you can do. But I will tell you this. If you've seen, watch any social media, and you see somebody talk about a diet, I don't care what they say you need to do. I don't care if they say you've got to eat portobello mushrooms and you've got to snort Clorox bleach. If the guy was 310 pounds and now he's 180 pounds and he's ripped and he looks like some of those sexy vampires on some of those shows out there, every guy in the world is like, bring on the mushrooms because the evidence is there to tell you that that lifestyle worked. It worked. And we talk about our faith and we talk about our religions and we talk about our certainty in such a way that we couldn't make it any less attractive for somebody to go, hey, I want to be miserable like you. <laughs> I, I want to talk about my pain and suffering all the time. I don't need God to do that. I'm doing it now. I want to be judgmental. I want to be prejudiced. I want to be a racist. I want to be a fundamental nutbag. But I don't need God to do all that. I could do that on my own. What is it that makes the difference if we live in this such a result-oriented society that if you don't see it, it did not happen? If you don't see it, it didn't happen. We have got to have evidence to be able to show that this is a lifestyle worth living. People say all the time, Dave, how do you know when you die you're going to go to heaven? Slow down. Slow down. Slow down. That's like saying when I turn 60, I'll need to be eating still. You're right. I will. But I've got today to deal with. I'll worry about that part when that part comes. If it gives me purpose, if it gives me drive, if it gives me encouragement, if it gives me enthusiasm to move forward, then it's not bad. Now, it may not work for you, 
But let's make it presentable. Our focus needs to be on two things, and I'm going to quote the great Michael J. Fox for this one. Our focus needs to be on, number one, do the next right thing. And number two, do the next thing right. We need to do the next right thing. We need to stop worrying about whether or not, oh, I don't know if I help this guy out. He's going to probably use it to buy drugs. Can we get over ourselves, please? People need help. They need encouragement. They need words. They need wisdom. They need teachers and leaders. They don't need judges. We need to do the next right thing, understanding that God measures us by what's called kavanah, the intent of my heart. If my heart's in the right place, the end user can do whatever he wants. Am I promoting reckless faith? Absolutely. Absolutely I am. Because we have been so conservative and so tied up in our own personal prejudices that many people have died, many people have suffered, many people have gone on without when we could have solved it. Bono, the front man from U2, said that we have the technology, we have the resources, we have the ability to solve poverty and starvation. We simply don't have the will. We need to do the next thing right. I'm sorry, we need to do the right, the next right thing, and we need to do the next thing right. We need to follow through with our actions. We need to take care of things. We need to do what we say we're going to do. Because we believe that our positive actions create a ripple effect that don't just deal with us right now, but they move in the future. People say, do you believe in time travel? Absolutely. I absolutely believe in time travel. I absolutely believe it's possible. And here's why I believe that. Because something that I do today can be something that will help somebody down the road in the future. That's time travel. It might be after I die. I mean, look at me. I'm old. I don't have a lot of time left. It could be after I die. Somebody could listen to a recording or or read something that I wrote and say to themselves, hey, this dead guy knew something. We move forward with acts of social justice. We move forward with the effects of it because it goes from one generation to the next. We are so quick to quote scriptures like, and the sins of the father will visit upon the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. Why aren't we quick to say the deeds that we do today, the kindness we share today, the goodness that we have in our hearts for the lives of other people, the care and concern will go from this generation to the next generation to the next generation. I want to tell you something dramatically different. I want you to listen carefully as we've only got about three minutes left. and I probably won't use all of it. I want you to understand that God is not up in heaven looking down, trying to catch you in the act of doing something wrong. Look at that guy. People, we preset. God is watching. If you do something wrong, he's going to count. God is in heaven enjoying the fact that he created you. He loves you. He wants to see you succeed. And he is in heaven looking to catch you in the act of doing something right. Everything we do and say stems from the way we think. So our consciousness is the most important part of our spiritual work. Instead of seeing something as a burden, a slight shift in our consciousness will enable us to see it as an opportunity to be creators of a more positive energy. Though it's not always obvious, we all have positive attributes that we can work on to share with others through our actions. Through our actions, each one of us is part of the collective effort of humanity to shift the world and to shift its consciousness to help repair it, 
We could strive to replace dots of doubts with positive actions, truly creating the change that we crave, keeping a connection with our positive actions we have done in the past supports us in overcoming self-doubt. And last of all, our positive actions create a ripple effect that helps us choose positivity. My name is David Fournier, Senior Instructor here at Restoring Growth. Whether you're joining us either live or on archive, thanks for hanging out with us. We appreciate it so much.